This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook, Volume 2, and today is August 9th, 2023. Please tell us your name and the years you were Hofstra Radio. I am Kathleen Shortis, and I was at Hofstra Radio from the fall of 2004 till spring of 2008. And then in, I believe, 2018, I returned as a community volunteer. Uh, and I was a community volunteer until this past January when I became the operations manager of WRHU. Well, congratulations on that position, and uh, I'm sure we'll get to talking more about that, if not this conversation, another one. Uh, but welcome back. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm excited. So uh, just to remind people from your first interview, what were the positions that you held as an undergrad at Hofstra Radio? Well, I was the station manager for 2007. Uh, and I think I had been an assistant news director, uh, I guess, the year before that, 2006. So um, assistant news director, is that something you had to apply for? How did that work, becoming part of that role? I know that the rule would be yes. That is how one got the position. You would apply for it to become on the AB. But I don't remember that I specifically did. I may have been filling a spot. Um, like if somebody left or they realized they didn't have an assistant news director at all. And then I kind of moved into the spot. Normally for those uh, administrative board positions, you would apply and then interview and then get the position. Um, But for some reason, something in the back of my mind is telling me that either somebody left and I filled the position or the position never got filled. And then I stepped into the role. Okay. Either it's a great story or it's not a great story and (laughs) maybe it'll, maybe it'll come back. Maybe. Yeah. I, or it was just very boring kind of like nobody applied and they were like, Hey, do you want to do it? And I was like, okay. (laughs) These these things do happen. So what were your responsibilities as assistant news director? Honestly, I don't really remember much. (laughs) I know that I, I feel like the person who was the news director was uh, Brian Bowl, and I remember him being news director, and I'm assuming that I just helped to staff newslines and help produce newslines. Um, and we did election night every year, and I remember kind of helping with that, but I don't specifically remember taking on too many extra duties as the assistant news director. Um, yeah, it's weird. I don't remember a lot about that, to be honest. I'm sure a lot of it is just the day-to-day operation of the broadcast. Probably, yeah. Um, And I I was very, very involved in Newsline. I still say this. I don't think anybody's done more Newslines than me. I would challenge any any alumni out there, if you think you've done more, I I think I might have you beat. uh, Because I was either producing or on Newsline multiple times a week, I think, from the time I was in the training class till a couple months actually after I graduated, I think the last newsline I ever did was actually from my real job. <laughs> I mm. phoned in a business report from the city. So I've done a lot of newsline. Wow. <clears throat> well, the gauntlet has been thrown down. The challenge is made. <laughs> we'll see if I, I welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you make the jump then from assistant news director and you apply for station manager. What was so see- behind your thoughts there? Here's the thing. I actually didn't apply to be the station manager either. (laughs) Um, I, Bruce came to me and said, Hey, uh, would you consider becoming, uh, applying for station manager? And I was like, me, you sure you didn't mean somebody else around here? And he was like, no, no, we want you to, or he wanted me to apply. And I was shocked. So I, did apply and interview that I remember uh, for the station manager job, but I, it was not something I had really considered doing before Bruce told me to do it. Um, Bruce actually told me one of the reason he gave when he actually asked me to apply to become station manager was at the election night that we did. um, I guess there had been like a minor, nothing crazy, just like, we had everybody set up in different rooms. So there was a group working in the main office. There was a group working down the hall in the old newsroom where the the big glass news hub is now. And there was a group, probably the group in the studios that were hosting and everybody kind of had a different task and we were covering and following different stories. 
And I was down the hall in the newsroom and I guess the group that was in the main office, something just like creative differences kind of thing, nothing crazy, but just Mm -hmm. like they were having a little bit of a hard time. And I think I had gone down there and I just kind of straightened it out. And like I said, to me, it wasn't really a big deal. It was just whatever. And I guess Bruce... Bruce was always watching, uh, saw me do that. And he was like, that's, that's the type of problem solving. And just, you came down there and handled it. And, you know, he was like, when, when you're on the EB or when you're the station manager specifically, like a lot of the stuff that you do and your responsibilities, they are the stuff, it's the stuff that goes unseen. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was actually one of the biggest lessons I feel like I ever took away from Bruce is that a lot of the stuff we do in this life even is the stuff that goes unseen, the stuff you're not going to get like the big applause for, but that's the stuff that's the important stuff. That's the stuff that matters. So he, I guess, felt that I fit that kind of um, mold. And that's why he wanted me to apply to be station manager. Hmm. I've I've heard the term used in reference to Bruce, managerial finesse. Yes, managerial finesse. So I guess he thought I was displaying good managerial finesse in that moment. (laughs) Well, well, uh, that sounds pretty great. So you apply and you get the job. Now, who else were you working with on the EB at the time? Who's the program director? Who do you remember uh, being uh, among that group? Um, I was the station manager. Vanessa Sadadakato was the personnel director and the personnel director is really the backbone of the whole operation. We all know it. Uh, Program director was Scott Miller and the music director was Jessica Weisensel. Okay. And what was, did you guys have an idea of what you wanted for the station? How did you all work together? We actually worked together really well. Um, I will say we were in a period of time where we um, wanted to change the program schedule. Currently, in current day WRHU land, the program schedule is much more fluid. Back then, it was the same. It was very staid. Changes were not made easily. And we had, uh, the show was called UT, Uncharted Territory. That was the top 40 show. Then it went from top 40 to Hofstra's morning wake-up call. And then Hofstra's morning wake-up call went to from 7 to 9. And then at 9 a.m., it went to the classics from Hofstra. And then I think the classics from Hofstra went till one, noon or one. And then the rest of the afternoon till four, four thirty, I guess four was jazz cafe and then newsline. Mm-hmm. So our thing was we're bringing the admissions tours through the building. Um, if we ever want RHU to get played in the student center, it's all classical music and jazz, which isn't really like, you know, the current Mm -hmm. students or prospective students flavor, they're going to be like, what is this? Um, So we really wanted to change that. And we had to really, really fight and plan to get this change. So in my case of the student EB of 2007, what we were really good at was pre kind of discussing amongst ourselves. All right, this is what we want. This is our game plan. And we're going to go into the EB as a unified front. So we go into the meeting as a unified front and there's more students on the EB than administrators, I think, because the community volunteer liaison, uh, the GM, the operations manager, and technically the chief audio engineer is a voting member of the EB, but the chief audio engineer usually doesn't uh, attend the meetings. So we do outnumber them on a vote and presenting ourselves as a unified front really worked for us because if you just go in there without pre-discussing with your fellow EB members, mm-hmm. then that's when you end up kind of mired down in like the discussion and this, that, and the other thing. So I think that's how we really worked well together in that aspect. And we did eventually get the program schedule changed. <laughs> so Congratulations. now it, yes. Right. So it went from, we moved classics from Hofstra to 5 a.m. to 7 a.m. Then it was morning wake-up call from 7 to 9. Then it was, we introduced a new show. So we moved UT to 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. And 11 to 1, we made the a new show called Alternative Nation. So we were the first CB to do that show, create that show, which involved changing the formats of some of the other shows uh, because before that, Rock and Roll Oasis was rock music, but from any era. And then Airwave was more indie rock. So Alternative Nation pulled from 
the airway format, but it also pulled from the rock and roll oasis formats. We actually mm-hmm. made rock and roll oasis classic rock, and we had to kind of fiddle around with the what airwave was going to include. Wow, it's so interesting. I mean, uh, I was there ninety to ninety four, and the classics were the bane of our existence, even though they yes. paid a lot of the bills. <laughs> right, we, exactly. We so wanted to reduce the time, and and it just it wasn't going to happen at all and uh we were 9 a.m to 2 p.m with the classics oh wow and then two to three was public affairs and then we would do the jazz cafe from three to eight and then three to seven so that was always the dream to have something that was more contemporary and it just wasn't going to happen and and i'll just throw this last thing in here because when we created the rock and roll oasis it was pushing against a classic rock show called Rock Solid. We wanted to have oh. something that was more free format and less less formatted and less rigid and say, well, let's let's play Dave Matthews Band and play the Doobie Brothers and this mix of things. So it's just funny how over time things cycle and, and the Oasis wound up becoming a classic rock show again. I think is, oh, that great. is funny. I did not know that about the history of the rock and roll oasis. I'll have to share that because the, the current students love that it's a classic rock show, but I didn't, I didn't realize it had morphed over time. <laughs> That's funny. And and the fact that the show is still named the oasis, it was a placeholder name. I will swear up and down in a court of law that it was a placeholder name. It wasn't going to last more than six months. We were going to come up oh. with something better. So was Alternative Nation. Right. We never, we, we were like, well, we'll just call it that for now and we'll think of something better. And it's years later, still that. So <laughs> that's so funny. That's great. Well, congratulations on the format change. And I'm sure generations of Hofstra Radio people, thank you for making those changes. But um, I want to talk a little bit more generally about your time at Hofstra Radio. Is there a story that you always tell about your time at Hofstra Radio? So I feel like there's always all this, we all have the stories that get told a thousand million times, but I feel like in the role I'm in now as operations manager, some of the stories uh, that are more boring or benign get started to get retold a lot because uh, as John Mullen says, sometimes being at RHU, it's like Groundhog's Day. So it's the same issues, kind of (laughs) just a new and or kind of in a different way. So we were talking about play getting played in the student center. We were just discussing that in the most recent EB meeting. Um, and it's, it's funny how, you know, now it's like retelling those types of stories that are a little more uh, less, less uh, sensational, but I'm trying to think. So I met my husband uh, at WRHU. So some of the stories like revolve around that or just like going to banquets or how, I guess probably the one that we refer to the most is that I was the station manager and he was the sports director in the same year. Mm-hmm. So at the time, uh, the sports department was very like anti-EB and Scott Miller was the program director and he was actually the first person from the sports department, I think, to be on the EB, at least in our uh, kind of recollection of it. I don't know maybe if it had happened in the past, but um, so we like to talk about how it was kind of like the sports department thought they had like a, an in on the EB. So it was kind of like a coup or my husband's grandmother uh, used to, used to joke around with him like, Oh, well you got to get approval from the boss for that. And like, I was his boss and stuff like that. So usually I feel like that kind of stuff is what gets retold a lot. And at least in our household or in our family. But um, like I said, when I'm dealing with the students, it's a lot of like, Oh, well, you know, we had a person that was like that then, and this is what we did. Or when we did election night in the past, or when we would, you know, when we wanted to change the program schedule or rock and roll oasis is classic rock mm-hmm. now, but it wasn't mm-hmm. always classic rock kind of thing. That's uh, that's funny. As a as a high school social studies teacher now, a line I often use is, "History doesn't repeat, but it often rhymes." Yes, yeah, it is. And- it's not my line, but it is true that it's like, well, this is similar to what happened or we had this situation before. And this is um, that's that's funny. Now, now being an administrator, you're going to see that happen, I, I suppose, an awful lot. And now we can have a lot more sympathy for Bruce Avery and Jeff Krause and Sue Zizza and John Mullen and go, oh, yeah, we know why you rolled your eyes. Now we know why you took that exasperated sigh. I can hear Bruce laughing at me in the back of my mind more often <laughs> than I, because I'm like, 
oh boy, yes, I see that now. <laughs> or they they took a vote in the EB and I abstained. And I was like, I can hear him laughing at me. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Do you have a Bruce story that you always tell? Um, well, so when we did try to change the program schedule, the Bruce story that gets told a lot is that Bruce was the counterweight to it. And he, you know, so he would kind of like try to check us along the way. And we could not understand this as the student EB, why he might be making some of the decisions he was making or doing some of the things he was doing. And I understand it now. Um, and it caused some butting heads. Uh, I can also see now like um, some of the responses maybe that he gave to me, I didn't understand at the time, but I understand them now as an adult. And there was one situation where with the Studio North book talking about everything old is new again, because the Studio North reservation form is something that still comes up. Well, they didn't have it signed out. Um, mm -hmm. There was a dean of the School of Communication who was trying to, the School of Communication wants like a marriage of the School of Com and WRHU. So they want us to work together with like HTV and the, you know, and the other um, media outlets that are through the school of comp, which is all great. And I definitely understand the motivation for that. Um, and it's a lot more married now than probably any of us would have remembered it being like, there's mm -hmm. a lot of crossover with HTV now, which never would have happened in the past, which isn't a bad thing because um, for radio now, when you're in radio, you're not just in radio, you're in social media, you're in TV anyway, like you, there's video aspects of it. Um, so it definitely makes sense. At the time when I was a student, you know, in the early 2000s, there was a very kind of clear separation and kind of even a kind of a separation from the school of com in general. So there was a dean of the school of com who's trying to basically do a news style package show as a class. And she had a class and that was her class. And they used to do a spot Friday after Newsline. So the RHU kids that were not involved in this class were kind of a little haughty about it. Like, oh, well, I produce Newsline five times a week. I don't need a professor telling me what to do. You know, I just, mm -hmm. you know, and they would sign out Studio North for like hours. And a certain sports director might have taken objection to this because he might have needed to interview the coach of the basketball team or whatever it was at the time. And he caught them once and they hadn't signed out the book. And that certain sports director may have just signed out the book and went in there and did the interview. And when the professor at all came in to be like, oh, no, we're in here now, he said, well, I signed out Studio North and you did <laughs> And he wasn't wrong. And the position that uh, the station manager may have also taken at the time was that he wasn't wrong. And technically on paper, he was not wrong. He signed out Studio North and that is the rule. Um, <laughs> but uh, I can see Bruce's point of view much better now that she was one of the higher up deans of the, uh, she was a dean of school com and perhaps maybe she would have gotten uh, to take Studio North for her class that she was teaching. She may have been priority at that time mm -hmm. and, and not the locker room uh, interview. But uh, so that Bruce, that was the maddest Bruce ever got at me. And that that story gets told a lot, which in, in essence is very boring and dumb, but that's the type of stuff that makes that place. So now when it's like, oh, well, Currently at Hofstra, the Northwell School of Medicine does a medical show. It's a half hour community affairs show and they get priority. even if you have Studio North signed out and as I had to explain to a student the other day, and it's so funny to me because I'm like, oh, every, like it says, it may not be repeating, but it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's 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 wonderful to see that there's more of a, a, a more teamwork between the various departments or aspects of the School of Communications. And again, not to make this about me, but it was a very uh, strong dividing line between Hofstra Radio and HTV at the time. There just there just was very little crossover. And there were some people like Dave Koenig and Adam Chandler who really tried to do something about that in the mid-90s. And I know that was one of Bruce's ideas. 
Um, so it's wonderful to see that, that working and uh, people getting more skills. But at the same time, there's something about Hofstra Radio that's sort of that pirate radio mentality that's like, we are what we are and we're going to do the things that we want. And it attracts a certain kind of student who's going to be like, yeah, I'm going to make the dean angry, even though, you know, just to prove that I'm right or, or whatever it might be. So it's, it's nice to see those, those, uh, those themes continue throughout time. And, and unfortunately, now they're your problem as operators, <laughs> but now you have the experience to anticipate them and, and know how to deal with them. Right, exactly. It's funny because it's like, I see, have seen it now from all sides. So I have been the 19-year-old station manager. I have, I had been an administrator at Hofstra in, in the past before I had my children uh, in the admissions department. So I had kind of a peek to like what it meant to be at that level. But I, I have also been a community volunteer. So like seeing it from all these sides, it's it's a very, very interesting position to be in because I can... I can really see there, like, you know, so when the station manager was upset at the general manager and I'm like, okay, like I've been you, but I can see where he's coming from now. And I was like, and I can also see it from like this outside perspective. It's, 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 it's such a fascinating place to be. And it's Mm. just, I, I wonder if the students will, will recognize how fortunate they are to have you and your experience there. It'll probably come later on because. Right. You know, I was going to say probably not. Now, <laughs> right. So, I mean, at least I can appreciate the fact that they don't appreciate me because <laughs> I didn't, I can, you know, uh, Fran Spencer also was the community volunteer liaison when I was a student and she, oh my goodness, was such, she's such a wonderful person and a wealth of wisdom. And did we appreciate it? No. But uh, years later, I could remember like hearing some of the things she said and being like, wow, Fran was really right about that. And I did not appreciate it at the time, but I appreciate it now. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. Um, on the other side of the, the the spectrum, there's stories that you always tell. Are there stories that you rarely tell or just, you know, maybe you've forgotten about and have come back recently where you're like, you know, that was important or that was a, that was an interesting thing. Mm. I see that you typed in your notes, not looking for a deep, dark secret. So that's no, good. We don't, I'll, we don't I'll need be... to know where the bodies are buried. We just <laughs> you know, something like, Oh, I never, you know, I forgot about this person or, you know, what's, what about this? Uh, so we'll leave the deep, dark secrets out of it. But, uh, sure. you know, I don't, like I was saying, a lot of different stuff has kind of come back to me, like being in the position that I'm in now, uh, where like you can see these kind of problems repeat themselves. But in terms of like, uh, maybe not like, I, I feel like a lot of that place is made in the minutia. It's like made in those like conversations that they're having in the main office. And it's funny because my office, I'm in the office that was John Mullen's office Mm -hmm. so for anybody like the operations managers like joel and john mullen at that one office to the right of bruce's office um and i shared the office with the current professional professional residents so there's the two desks in there but my desk is kind of off to the side so if i'm in there if you are looking at it not necessarily know that i'm in there so every now and then in the semester if i'm sitting in there and there's the students in the in the main office, they're having their regular day-to-day conversations and I can hear them, but they're not aware that I'm there. So <laughs> so think back to the things you discussed in the main office when you didn't think any grown-ups were present. So I'm privy to some of those conversations and I'm like, wow, that was me, wasn't it? And so one of the days I remember though, they were somebody was planning somebody's 21st birthday party. So I can spare you the details on that, but you can imagine how it was going. And I was like, wait a minute, wasn't that just me? Wasn't I just sitting in that chair in that spot having this exact conversation? Aren't I still 21? What happened? (laughs) But, you know, the conversations skew from the benign to like, you know, what was on TV last night or what's in the news to all the way to whose boyfriend was Mm. talking to what other girlfriend and who this, that and the other thing. So it's it's so funny to hear. Uh, but it's it doesn't change. So if you can think back to those conversations, it's they're the kind of the deep dark secrets. I was like, ooh, I didn't I didn't know that about that person. I was <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well we'll keep silent on some of the deep <laughs> guilty. We'll uh we'll we'll leave some of that for another conversation. Right. Um, so you've talked about a lot of big events, changing the schedule and the election night and conversations with Bruce and 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 
so many big events uh, that happened during your time. Is there is there an event or a song or uh, a news story that kind of in your mind defines your time at Hofstra Radio? Um. Well, I would say we made the show Alternative Nation. So there's like that that early 2000s, late 90s kind of gin blossoms, death cab for cutie kind of music that spans that kind of era that uh, that always makes me think of that, which now to the kids is like classic rock, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> which I don't see again. I don't know how this happened. Um, so anytime I hear those types of songs, I'm like, oh, I love that. That reminds me of this specific time in this specific place, which I love. And um but I was just, see, you just reminded me of something as you were saying that, a news story. Um, we were there, I just remember doing this, and this wasn't necessarily a huge news story at the time, though I'm kind of surprised it wasn't. There was a, a Yankees player named Corey Lytle, I believe, and he was in a private kind of small plane that crashed into a building right. in New York City. Do you remember that? Yeah. We were getting Newsline ready while that story broke. And so you're talking about, I was a student from fall 04 to spring 08. So I was 15 on 9-11. So, and some of the older students had been on campus during 9-11. So we're the generation kind of shaped like that. So all we're seeing on the AP wire is that a plane flew into a building. Hmm. So we're all, you know, freaked out to say the least. And we're trying to get this newsline ready. We had Ed, Ed was with us, um, which was good. <laughs> so we're, we're covering the wires. We're all kind of freaked out and we're trying to not to act too freaked out. Cause it was kind of evident that it wasn't like a big plane, but we still, you know, who knows what's going on at this point. And it, it happened to break right as we are literally getting newsline on the air. So I, we get the show on the air and while I was introducing Newsline or in the first five minutes of Newsline, I guess I was the host. That's when it came out that it was this Yankees player and that it was an accident and it was, you know, whatever. But Matt was doing sports that day. So I guess Ed, the directions, this stage direction that Ed was giving us live, I guess somehow kind of got messed up. And I was at guest one, the mic that's guest one reading my news copy and I swear I could still see it in my mind Matt shoved me out of the way (laughs) and took over and just was like breaking news into you know the WRHU newsroom and then it was a sports story so then he reads the whatever the copy Ed handed him was and then misunderstood what Ed meant and then did the entire sports report (laughs) at the top of Newsline and it was just like I it was crazy because it was like our really our first like real intro to like true actual breaking news like live Mm. on the air breaking news but also just that it was me and him and that like then I just literally got shoved out of the way for the rest of the sports report I I completely forgot about that so that that always reminds me of that time as well wow that was a uh uh, a very big story at the time. And like you said, in the context, I mean, a, a plane crashing into a building anytime is, is right. A, absolutely. A story. But given the context and, and your relative age and experience um, it's, it's wonderful to have a guiding hand like Ed there and, and to be able to work. I, I was going to say to be able to work as a team there. I don't know if that's the right phrase in this instance. Since you got <laughs> in this instance, out of the way, it, but. it wasn't, but yes, we, we, we did have to produce Newsline as a team, obviously. So we were, there was teamwork and Ed was, you know, obviously the best so it went well it was just that that one instance in this crazy moment was very kind of funny right and only you and and matt and and maybe a couple other people would know that it probably didn't translate on air but that's something that that you know being in the moment in the studio absolutely uh that's a great story thank you for for sharing that um obviously you've spent a good chunk of your adult life with Hofstra Radio and with Hofstra University in, in some sense or another. And I guess this is more pointed towards your undergraduate days. But was mm-hmm. there ever a point where you're like, I'm so fed up with this or I'm so exhausted or I'm having this this fight with whoever where you're like, I don't need this anymore. I want to walk away. Or is there ever a moment where you thought, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this? Um, I don't know that I ever was like, oh, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm done. 
But I do remember when I was station manager, um, you get to summer and in the summer, everybody goes home or Mm -hmm. all the non-local students go home. So you're operating on like a fraction of the staff that you normally have and the show must go on. And this was a right around the time that we got automation. So we didn't, we did have the automation system, but it wasn't, it was brand new. We weren't all fully trained on how it works. And it, um, you have to schedule it in such a way and make sure the clocks are all balanced or the whole thing kind of gets thrown off. And, and these types of, obviously these automation systems for radio stations, they're not made for a WRHU. They're made for like a Z100 top 40 mm-hmm. where it's excellent. You're, you're only going to really program in like, you know, a hundred songs maybe on the commercials at, at the way we use the system, even to this day, like it's, <laughs> we, it's a million songs and a million uh, half hour program shows. And it's, it's not, it's not really made for that necessarily. So you do have to keep an eye on it. So when nobody's there in the summer, somebody has to be there if you want to be live on the air and you don't want to, you know, power down the transmitter. Um, so it is a lot. And I probably took on a lot more maybe than I should have being that, like I felt full responsibility for this as a student station manager. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would be there, all day. I uh, I had my wisdom teeth taken out and I did Newsline the next day. Oh, no. <laughs> like, that's that's the, like, I, I, I was getting to, like, I, to the point where there was, like, one or two times where I know that, like, just, like, ran myself down and that I got sick. And then I was like, well, now I'm sick and I have to be there. And I, that was really, um, there was one time where that happened and I, I really had, was not feeling well. And it, came into the station anywhere I'm sitting in the studio by myself, like, you know, babysitting the board. And I was so mad. And I sent an email to the whole staff. It's like, you people don't get your slots covered or whatever. I, I think it was mostly professional. And then I just broke in the middle and I said something that sounded like accusatory. And then Bruce got mad at me. I was like, you're mad at me. Nobody does their slots. Right. <laughs> and he was like, you, you know, you're the station manager, like you get, you know, the station, the student EB does get paid, uh, not a lot, but they do get paid. And he was like, you're technically a paid employee. You can't talk to the volunteer staff that way. And I was so mad at him. And I can see now he was right. You can't talk to volunteer staff that way. <laughs> um, but at the time I, I was really mad, but that was probably the maddest that I got. I felt like I was carrying a lot of the load and you know uneasy is the head that weareth the crown or (laughs) whatever Shakespeare says but other than that I never really wanted to walk away I think I say this to current students now or I was saying this I think to the current professional residents who is completely new to student media um you do need time to decompress from WRHU (laughs) I think at the end of your time um which is kind of strange my so my sister my sister's brother-in-law was actually also a WRHU uh student staff member uh he's much he's not much younger but he is younger than I am so we were at the station at completely different times we didn't know each other before and I remember when I first met him he had just graduated and I was like oh Margaret told me you were at WRHU and then he just kind of went into this whole like diatribe like and Ba, 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 this and that and the other thing and I was like wow and then I was like that's right I forget you need that decompression time you need that six months after you're done before you start like longing for it yearning for nostalgia like oh it was it was actually great and I loved it because you do get so sucked into like the everyday um minute my minute details of like who didn't do their sod and who messed this up and like why did Bruce say that to me or or this that and the other thing and you don't realize until you've stepped out of it for a little bit that it was actually amazing yeah yeah uh, I think today we'd call that work-life balance right uh, yes uh, there there was no such thing when you're 19 years old and you're running a radio station and you feel like you're you know abandoned by your friends for the month of July and you're just Absolutely. like why is this so hard yeah but it is such a wonderful experience, but there are days where you just, yeah, yeah, I've been there. I'm, I'm having flashbacks myself. So. <laughs> right, exactly. I, it's, yeah, it, there was no, there was no work-life balance. It was all WHU all the time. <laughs>
Um, we've kind of hit on a couple of these big things too, but I like to ask, what's your, what's your proudest moment or your, your biggest accomplishment? I think that our, our biggest accomplishment was definitely, um, you know, creating alternative nation I, and, and changing the program schedule. Like that was, that was the goal we went into it with and we achieved that goal. And that's definitely the thing I'm proudest of, I think of as terms of like, being a student staff member, like set it, like setting a goal and achieving it. Obviously, um, we were working toward the kind of notor- like notoriety that the station's gotten since then, with like the Marconis and and like being voted like you know the college top college radio station in the country. We those things were always kind of like on our minds and on the horizon, um, and we were getting close. At the time I was a student, but we were still kind of like not quite there. So I think when they did a few years later achieve those things, that was really great because it's like, you know, everyone has built off the back of everybody else, you know, so like Mm. the work that your generation put in to try to get them to move classics from Hofstra, you know, allowed my generation to finally move it, which allowed the, the generation that came after us to, you know, do even bigger and better things. So those things are kind of proud. I think, I mean, I think it, it's a great testament to the, to the station itself that you do have people like me and Andy Gladding and other alumni that like are there as like administrators now to help kind of guide the students. Cause you wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't come back if we didn't think the place had, you know, had greatness, you know, we're here to kind of preserve that greatness. So I think that that's a proud, a thing to be proud of as well. Um, Amen. Absolutely. Um, was there something that you were, uh, you wanted to achieve or weren't able to get through in your, your time as an undergrad? Yeah, I think that there was one time when I was an undergrad where they, I forget, I don't know if it was U.S. News and World Report, but it was one of those college lists where they, they ranked like the number one college rate radio station like where they do like all different lists like that and we didn't get number one and that was kind of disheartening for us but we made it to like the top five so it was one of those things where like we didn't get what we wanted but it it was still good because we had never gotten that high before um i feel like i mean i feel like for the majority of the history of wru like we didn't get any notoriety at all like nobody knew we existed for half the time and then there was a few different things that all happened all at once like the islanders and hofter getting the debates and um mm-hmm. making uh the marconis like and then it was like wow all this spotlight is is on us now which is great um but i feel like we were always kind of like well we knew we were great we didn't need them to tell us we were already amazing they just found out <laughs> right right um you've told a number of of pretty funny stories uh, is there a funniest moment or a joke or, or something that happened that always makes you laugh? Recently, a couple of different people have brought up um, <laughs> this, well, the sports department in general, but also um, the that when you would do like your first newsline or when we would be doing newsline and... Um, we would throw stuff at you if you were reading. <laughs> I shouldn't admit that we ever did that, but we, so the, uh, Brian Bull, who is the news director, just brought up to me the other day. He's like, oh, is that like when you threw a cup at me while I was doing Newsline, which I don't remember doing. Um, and I remember poor Jeffrey Sorensen got a bed from me and Brian Mapes one time, I think for his first Newsline, we were, I don't know if we were throwing stuff at him or at each, just being clowns to each other while he was trying to read. Um, so there was always stuff like that. There was, My favorite, one of my favorite things was always the banquet tape. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you guys did that, where somebody would edit together like the, all the blooper reels of, of, you know, the year that, or, you know, mixed in with like the good stuff that we did that, that would get played at the banquet. That was always a big highlight for, for me personally. I loved the banquet tape of Johnny Miller used to do it for us that he would, he would spend hours editing together this like, you know, five minute kind of piece of audio of all like the different things that had had, uh, gone on throughout the year. Um, We used to do the HTV WRH2 softball game Mm. um, because there was such a separation. So like now there's not, so they were talking to me about bringing it back and I'm like, well, who are you going to play for? 
you got to play for us. We can't play for them. Um, but we used to do that every year. And that was always such a fun memory of, and just funny in general, where we'd all go out and like, uh, <laughs> beat HTV and we would chant like color bars at them because they never had programming. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's a, that's a tough dig. I like it. I, I personally like, uh, the staff, uh, sports department would always chant whatever their chants were at the banquet or the all staff meeting. And then have you ever, I'm sure you have, but have you been to like a wedding where it's other WRHU people? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody got married and we were like chanting RHU at the, in the reception. Yeah. Don't invite us places really is really what it comes down to but so those that are is, always fun that's a good rule of thumb yes we will, we will make a mess <laughs> we, will, we will ruin your fancy event <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll we'll share some stories off off the mic but uh, <laughs> yeah there's some good ones there um this is kind of a moot question because you are the operations manager of wr2 now but i like to ask people like if you had the chance to go back and do a show you know in an emergency basis or just jump in and get behind the board would you do it and obviously your answer is never in a million years Right. right. Obviously, I wouldn't ever go right. back there. Uh, no, it it's I just did the other day um, because the the automation system, for some reason, was playing like random jazz songs or something like it. It has filler songs and it was playing that instead. Uh, the person, the current personnel director was away this week. And so her slot was empty. And I was like, oh, well, I got to fix this. And then I was like, oh, it's Alt Nation. And I'm like, love this song, love this song, love this song. Ah, oh, Kathleen on the mic here. Like, I was like, oh, I guess I'm doing this part of this slot now. And I just like hopped in. So yes, the answer is yes, I would. I do have my own show still. When I was a community volunteer, I have a show called Emerald FM, uh, which is contemporary like pop uh, music out of Ireland. So it's like Irish artists, but what you would hear today Mm-hmm. If you were in the car there now, like what they would be considered their top 40 from Irish artists. Uh, and that's kind of to back end Eileen Cronin because she plays a traditional Irish show. Right. So I do still do that uh, every week. And I do love doing it. It's fun. It wasn't um, music that I necessarily would have been like, oh, yeah, that's the music I listen to. But uh, researching it and and following these artists uh, like, and some of them have gotten kind of successful over time where they're kind of mainstream, uh, has been fun over the last few years. So I do enjoy, I do enjoy that. I feel like in the first, uh, interview that I did with you, and I've listened back to some other interviews that you've done for the podcast, you, you, you say, what did it smell like? Uh huh. I just want everyone to know that it smells the same. So how you're remembering it smelling when you go into Studio South, it smells the same. And when you've been away for a while and you come back in, you're like, oh, it smells the same in here. And it's a disgusting smell probably, but it smells the same. And you're like, oh, memories. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot. What 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 is the smell? What is, what I, is it a combination of things? I don't even know that I could describe like what the smell is. But I know that when I said that, everybody thought it. Um, it's almost like stuffy in there, uh, mm. because it never get, probably gets proper ventilation. Um, and then like the equipment, like that electronic kind of smell, I guess, and the carpet right. that's been in there probably since they built the, rebuilt the station in 99 or whatever, uh, has been the same. So it's like a combination of all these different things, but it does yeah. smell the same in there. Plastic and carpet yeah. and teenagers and records yes. and wiring. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's that. That sounds about right. Um, so along those lines, um, what do you miss most about being at the station as an undergrad? And certainly not the smell, but you know. not the smell. Um, <laughs> man, well, I miss Bruce and I miss Ed and I miss them. Now that I'm there, I miss them every day. I yeah. truly like. I mean, that's. That's obviously the biggest of it, but um, be as far as being a student, like I miss, I, I mean, you miss have that camaraderie. You miss having your friends around all the time. Like I remember when I was home with like very small toddlers day in and day out, um, you know, my older kids are bigger now, but you're kind of, I would be like, man, what I wouldn't give for just 20 minutes <laughs> back in time just to like, you know, be around your your friends all like just be with your friends all day it's amazing like I I had to like if I ever have to go to an assisted living but I I just want it to be like with the people that I was with in college (laughs) like can we do that like I'd I'd sign up for that um because you don't realize at the time 
you know, that you don't get that again. Like you're, once you're off and on your own, you're, you don't see those people every day. You don't get to say those same jokes every day and, you know, have that kind of fun where, you know, you are under pressure and running a whole radio station at 19 is a lot, but it's the type of pressures that exist outside of that environment. It's, it's not the same and you're not, um, the community and the support at WRHU from the administrators, you don't realize it as a student, how supportive that they are. Because everyone in that environment wants you to succeed. The administrators of the past and the administrators currently, um, all they want is for all the students to succeed and have you know, the best outcomes they can have when you get, you know, I know people, I don't like the term the real world, because obviously Mm -hmm. we all live, we're all living in a real world. But when you get out into the professional world, not everybody cares if you succeed or not, they don't always want you to have the best outcome, you come across people that don't have your best interests at heart, or you're on your own to get that for yourself. And that is hard when you leave that type of supportive environment. So I think just I mean, now I'm back in it, so I don't necessarily have to worry about that. But I mean, as far as like being a student, like just that friendship all the time, like it's, it's, you can't, you can never recreate that. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. It it is funny because I obviously am married to a WRHU alumni. So we get to tell the jokes to each other. The, the, The jokes that other people like, you know, only repeat like every five years at a reunion or at a party or something like that. When we're, you know, we still like are cracking the same dumb jokes every now and then, like, you know, like, oh, remember whatever and and you know, the all the dumb little inside jokes you have. So like it's it's nice in that way. Yeah, but, to have that shorthand. Yeah. Right. You can yeah. Refer back to inside <laughs> jokes. Oh, that's great. Um if you could time travel for 60 seconds and go back and see yourself at 18, is there a piece of advice you would give to yourself? Uh, is there some, you know, pearl of wisdom that you would say, Hey, just think about it this way or, or do this or don't do that. Yeah. I think that I would probably tell myself to get out of my own head in a way. And just, you know, when, when you're a teenager or when, you know, you're, you put so much on yourself and you think, you know, you're, everybody's kind of like looking at you in a sense, like, and no one really is like, everybody's kind of going through it the same way. So I think if I could go back to, you know, tell myself at 18, I would be like, just enjoy it a little bit more. Like this is, you know, the good old days, you know, this is it kind of thing. Like you should enjoy it now while it's, it's happening while you have your friends around you all the time. Like these are your, you know, your real friends that you're, one day you're going to miss kind of thing and to get out of your own head and to like, let it breathe a little bit. Uh, Not everything is, you know, an emergency. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be in the studio, you know, on a July 31st when it's a hundred degrees out, like it's going to be okay. Those good words of advice there. Now, (laughs) would your younger self have listened to that? Absolutely not. Okay. (laughs) I mean, maybe, I don't know, but I don't think so. I think, I think I was very dedicated to yeah. the that space and i probably wouldn't have maybe i wish i would have like had a little bit more fun but what can you yeah. do yeah yeah um i i think you've already talked about some of the things that you learned at hofstra radio and the experiences and obviously the relationships that you brought with you but what did you bring from hofstra radio into your as you said you know before it's not the real world but your grown-up life into your professional life yeah so i think that there are a lot of Bruceisms that do stick with you because like I said, when he approached me about becoming a station manager, I, he mentioned that when you are the station manager, like, like these unseen things that you're doing. And I do think that to myself even now, because you know, when you're the mom of the family, that's kind of how I feel like I approached my job as station manager. You're doing all these little, a million little unseen things all day, but you're doing it for the collective good. And nobody had ever really pointed that out to me. Um, I think really like in those types of words before. So I do think about that a lot. Um, Brand Spencer at one point had kind of given me advice that like, not everybody is operating on the same level as you are. Hmm. So not everybody is going to see, you know, some people get things quicker and just some people don't, and you can't 
you have to meet people where they are, so to speak. And that was also advice that I took with me out into the world um, because she was right. I didn't understand it at the time at all, but I do understand it now. Not everybody, you have to meet people where they are. Um, and then I think also um, another Bruce thing was just like, you don't have to fill with words. A big, a silence says more than just filling with random stuff. And that was like on air advice, but I feel like that works in real life too. You don't need to fill space with words all the time. Um, there's a lot of just like good, good little Bruce tidbits. I feel like creative problem solving. That's a big one. That's one I try to get with my kids too. I'm like, you can solve the problem. <laughs> you know, like we try to figure out a way to do it, uh, in a way. Though, can I tell you, if I could go back in time, the current EB, when they see Andy Gladding, they think they're in trouble. And I was like, I cannot express to you people how insane that sounds. If I could go back in time and be in this exact same spot 20 years prior to this moment, and I said out loud, the student EB sees Andy Gladding and thinks that means that they're in trouble, I would get laughed out of this place. Yeah. And nobody gets it. And they're just like, oh, Andy's here. Are we in trouble? And I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> that seems such a strange reaction because Andy is just the nicest guy. And he I loves know. radio so much. And he, he loves what he does. Absolutely. I, I, I imagine they, it must mean they've broken something. And that's why they're <laughs> afraid that he's there. Uh, no, I, I think that. I think that Bruce did such a good job at brainwashing uh, the students into the, the handbook and the rules. And that when uh, we're looking at them, not following it, we're like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is what it says you need to do. And, um, you know, John, John didn't make that handbook. So John wasn't brainwashed by Bruce the same way. So he's like, <laughs> sometimes he lets them get away with stuff. And then me and Andy are coming like, well, it says right here in the handbook. Wow. That's uh, that it, it doesn't jive with my image of Andy Gladding at all. It doesn't but. at all, and he's so nice, and he's the same guy. It's just their perspective of him as yeah. like they're the teenagers, and he's an adult. I think because he's not. He's basically yeah. Don't don't guy. tell him he's an adult. Don't, don't no don't right right exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. That's so funny. Um, this has been so wonderful, Kathleen. Thank you for for sharing all these stories. I you know. I, when I made this list of questions, I figured, okay, this will we'll cover everything. And I feel like I just want these conversations to keep going. So we'll, we'll have to figure out a way to, to, to keep talking about these things because this has been great. It's so much fun. Thank you. Yeah, we can do one about like uh, current day. Okay. All right. Let's, let's do it. I'll hold you to it. Absolutely. Thank you, Brian, for doing this. I love this. I love listening back to them. It's so much fun. Every, every different one is kind of like a different, different stroll down memory lane.